Non-binary listeners, ladies and gentlemen, heroes and heroines, crooks and crookie, and Sting, the singer, not the sword. The audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's T-R-G-V. Ramblin' Gambler. He plays the cards as a meditation, and those he plays with never suspect. He doesn't play for the money he wins, he doesn't play for respect. He plays the cards to find the answer, the sacred geometry of chance, the hidden law of probable outcome, the numbers lead the dance. Welcome to episode 128 of our Casino Combat Podcast. It happens every once in a while. I'd love to find the wisdom or skill to be able to summon it when I want it. I can't. I've tried, but every once in a while, randomly and unexpectedly, it happens. The cards dance and flow. Winds appear almost as a result of my will. Like Mickey, moving the mops and buckets, I'm a sorcerer, summoning chips and outcomes. I move through the casino seeing everything with a slow motion clarity, able to do no wrong, almost literally feeling the energy of the galaxy as an ally, a servant to my success. The geometry of chance is revealed. Now the novice thinks this is luck and the master knows it is a gift and a skill. And then it's gone, vanished, and I'm a mere mortal again, doomed to failure and struggle. I had one of those days last week. Actually, I had both of those days last week. A day of struggle and failure, and a day where I fell into wizard mode and had wonderful success. I'll make no apologies for my uh, humble efforts to wax poetic. But there's an idea there that I wanted to capture. I, I sometimes hear from some of you about the struggle, about the days things have gone wrong. The days where nothing works. The I can't do this days. The he's full of crap days. Those happen to me too. I try to communicate that. I try to be clear that those happens. My message to you is this. If you set up your bankroll correctly, if you are playing at a level you can afford, just carry on. Those days of wizardry will happen as well. In my experience, they more than offset the losing days. Revel in it. Don't feel like it's luck. Enjoy those moments where you're the wizard. Enjoy those moments where nothing goes wrong. You double the 11, you get a 3, the dealer has a 10, and they still bust. You double and you get the perfect card and beat the dealer by just one. Not the day where you throw the dice and they hit the chips and Big Red comes and you're sunk, but the days where you make a crappy toss, the dice don't go the direction you want, they hit the chips... And you make your point. Those days. Those days where it goes right. Those days where you are the wizard. Okay, sorry for that bit of rambling. It's just been on my mind a bit. 
If this is your first time, I am truly sorry about that. I generally keep stuff like that to a minimum. In general, this is a facts and numbers based podcast that teaches people how to win the game of casino gambling. I had to spend a good bit of time thinking about the nature of gambling, and that was on my mind. Everything else today will be practical and useful. Uh, I hope so. I think so. Who knows? At least I intend it to be. That's the goal. If this is, in fact, your first time with us, and you find this at all interesting, please visit thecasinocombat.com with a website. Like the podcast title, Combat is spelled with a K. Check out the blog posts. Check out the Fred section for downloadable resources. All of the places you can listen are available on the website. Our social media links are there. Our YouTube channel link is there. It is a great place to get up to speed on what this podcast and our squad are all about. What should we talk about today? I've got some squad items to tell you about, but let's do the battle plan first. Same bet, YouTube star and founding member of the Excelsior Brigade recently posted something in our Facebook group, the Casino Combat Squad, that I wanted to share with all of you and respond to. So we will do a questions my sons ask segment and talk through that for just a little bit. After that, I'm going to do a core concept segment and discuss exits and regrouping when playing TRG2 Always Be Grindin' or TRG4 Win More Keep More. These are advanced, experience-based, unquantifiable techniques, and I feel like perhaps I've neglected to explore them for that reason. After that, we will do a results segment and talk through the good and bad portions of a couple of weeks of play. And finally, we will finish up, as always, in the virtual VIP lounge with some sips and some snacks and the story of TRG and Sad Sack Sally. A truly unhappy story, but one that illustrates the importance of that difficult and sometimes elusive winning mindset that I've been trying to highlight for all of you. Before we jump into all of that, I have updates about the squad from around the Casino Combat Galaxy. We have a new member of the Excelsior Brigade. Another squad mate has decided to play the game and figure out the real-world name of my home casino, Casino 2. Thank you and welcome to the newest member of the Excelsior Brigade, the Wisco Kid. Glad you have joined us. Glad you are here, TWK. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The other thing that I thought might be interesting was to share with you how much our squad has grown over the years. I thought I would quickly share some behind-the-scenes metrics with all of you. I'm going to quickly run down the list of all the places the squad listens or has listened to our podcast. And then I'd like you to ask you to do something for me, for us, that I think I think it'll be fun and interesting. I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. But first, let me run down this list. I think quite understandably, 89% of our audience listens in the United States. And we have reached a point where we have reached squad members in all 50 states and Puerto Rico and some of the territories. So we have got the United States covered but it's only 89%. Another 4% of our squad listens from Canada. 2% of our squad listens from Australia. 1% of our squad listens from the United Kingdom. So 89 plus 1 is 90, plus 4 plus 2. 96% of our squad listens United States, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom, which makes sense. This is in English. And I gamble in North America. 
All of that makes sense. But wait, listen to this. Listen to this very cool thing. If I can keep on track here. Here is the rest of the places that our squad listens. Singapore, Germany, Ukraine, Philippines, Mexico, Brazil, Thailand, Netherlands, Ireland, Sweden, India, Latvia, France, South America, Belgium, Australia... I'm sorry, Austria, not Australia. We already did them. New Zealand, Denmark, Italy, Puerto Rico. Told you about Puerto Rico. Romania, Malta, Japan, Slovenia, Bulgaria, Taiwan, Paraguay, Israel, Switzerland, Poland, Norway, Spain, Finland, Korea, Bahamas, United Arab Emirates, Kenya, Kuwait, Malaysia, Portugal, Argentina, Brunei, Honduras, Somalia, Estonia, Indonesia, Republic of Lithuania, and Lithuania, two different places, Slovakia, Cambodia, Vietnam, Chile, 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 not sure, Hong Kong, Panama, Panama, like the, like the uh, Van Halen song. South Korea, Greece, Saudi Arabia, Russia, Colombia, Cyprus, Nigeria, Qatar, Uruguay, 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 that one. The Netherlands, Turkey, Dominican Republic, Aruba, Georgia, Iceland, Hungary, Ecuador, Antigua, and Barbuda? B-A-R-B-U-D-A. Okay, St. Kitts and Nevis, Cayman Islands, Serbia, Montenegro, the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, North Mariana Islands, Albania, Croatia, Egypt, Algeria, Peru, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Bolivia, Ch China, Uganda, Rwanda, and the Czech Republic. Wow, that's a lot. I'm not sure I can find all those places on a map without Google's help. Clearly, I couldn't even pronounce some of them without some help there. We are truly worldwide, and that is very, very cool. That is very neat. As you might imagine, early in the podcast, I was checking that like every day, right? To see which states got added. Oh, look, somebody in California listened. That's great. Oh, wow. We got somebody in Washington. Oh, we got somebody in Texas. You know, we got the United States covered and then it was like, oh, that's cool. We got somebody in Australia. I really don't look at that list maybe as often as I should, but that's very cool that the other 4% of our squad are scattered all over the goal. So here's the favor I'd like to ask you to do for me. This is episode 128. We just talked through all the places that our squad listens to our podcast. So we've created an email, ep128 at casinocombat.com. And of course, we spelled combat with a K. That's an E as in Edward, P as in Paul, the numbers 128 at casinocombat.com. I'd like to ask you to send that address an email. And in the email, put the place on earth you listened and the date that you listened. Obviously, if you want to share something else, that's great and wonderful. And we're happy to read all of those as well. But just two, those two things are fine. Where on earth you listened and the date that you listened. You see, this will become kind of a time capsule as episodes pass. In theory, at some point or a year or more from now, someone will hear this, and hopefully, if this is you, if you are listening, I'm, I'm recording this in, in January of 2024. 
In particular, if you are listening in the future, please send an email. We will keep that email address up and running. It will be very cool to find out that somebody listened in France in July of 2025, or someone listened on the Isle of Malta, was that one of them, in 2026. So please, when you listen, if you would, Give me the gift of a, just a minute of your time and a little bit of bandwidth on your device. Send an email to ep128 at casinocombat.com and let me know where and when you listen to this episode of this podcast. I think this should be really fascinating. Really cool to build that, po- that uh, time capsule for the podcast. All right. Nothing from Guardian and the Jet. So we are caught up with squad news. Let's do questions my sons ask. What? 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 Not only do my sons occasionally ask questions about gambling, but squad mates post questions about gambling in the Casino Combat Squad Facebook group. And recently, the founding member of the Excelsior Brigade, host of the wildly popular YouTube channel of the same name, SameBat, posted a question and some information about some gambling he did. And I'm paraphrasing, I'm not reading. But the gist of it was he was in Oklahoma using TRG4 on a 3-2 to two blackjack table and the rules required that it was a $5 minimum table and the rules required the player to make a 50 cent ante, a contribution to the house, to play each hand. And he used TRG4 and he took a negative exit and he was wondering how that ante came into play, what the impact was. Now, I thought that was really interesting because I've never seen a table or played at a table with a rule set like that. And so I got thinking about it a little bit, and I got thinking about it in terms of what does that do to the math of the house advantage? So if we're playing $5 hands, and now we're working in the realm of the theoretical, we're working in the realm of math. I understand that if you're playing TRG4, you are not always going to be making the minimum $5 bet. I get that. But let's just work through the math here. Not the math of the strategy, but the math of the house's advantage. Depending on the exact rules, what the house does or does not do on soft 17, how many times the house allows you to split, what hands they allow you to double, what hands they allow you to double after split, what action, if any, they allow you after aces are, after you get two aces and you split them, what you're allowed to do. The house advantage on blackjack can range from, if you play basic strategy, always there. If you play basic strategy correctly, the house's advantage is going to vary from about 0.26 to 0.44%, which is to say your expectation is mathematically that you should lose between 26 and 44 cents per hundred dollars wagered, making blackjack with basic strategy the lowest house advantage wager that you can make and therefore the most beatable game that you can play. So let's round that up. Let's assume all the worst possible rules for the player except 6-5 to blackjack, and, because I would never play 6-5 to blackjack, and let's put the house's advantage at .50, 50 cents per hundred, .50%. That doesn't include the ante. Now we're playing $5 hands for this mathematical question, mathematical model. We're playing $5 hands, that means we're going to play 20 hands per $100. So we have 20 times 50 cents, we have $10. 
That goes to the house. That's part of their advantage. So we have a $10 advantage plus the 50 cent advantage from playing blackjack with basic strategy. The house's advantage is now 10.5%. Our expected loss is $10.50 per hundred wagered in that scenario with a $5 unit size and an ante of 50 cents. I can't beat that, folks. That makes it a horrible wager. One of our core concepts is to make wagers with the smallest possible house advantage. So I focus on blackjack with the smallest advantage. Don't pass or pass craps. About a, a dollar and pennies per hundred. Baccarat, again, dollars and pennies. If you want to get crazy, I guess you can go red, black, even odd on roulette. I never do. The house advantage gets so large, it's, it's not worth doing, for me at least. I don't have any interest in it. So the addition of the ante, if you are playing a $5 unit size, makes this game unbeatable, even in my opinion, on the long term. You could win it in the short term. But in the long term, it makes this game unbeatable using TRG4, TRG2, TRG anything. You are going to struggle with that big a house advantage unless I've missed something in the math. And if I have, somebody please email me, TRG at CasinoCombat.com and tell me what I've missed. Let's work through the math a little bit more. If you go to $10 unit size, the house's advantage drops to uh, $5.50 per hundred, 5.5%. $5.50 per hundred, 5.5%. Still a way too big house advantage. There are still way better wagers to make. If we go to a $25 unit size, that means the house's advantage is $2.50 per hundred, Worse than six to five blackjack, still not worth playing. If we get to a hundred dollar unit size, now the house's advantage is just a little less than one dollar per hundred. The we've been working with fifty cents house advantage on basic strategy and the fifty cents house advantage. In reality, it's going to be a little less. It's going to be 0.9 something, 0.8 something, depending on the other rules. That's a beatable game. That's the way you need to approach that game if you're really trying to be. Take the scenario. You live in Oklahoma. Pretty big state, I've heard. Never been there. There's a casino 30 minutes away that has this rule structure. Well, you need to be playing at $100 a a hand to have a hope of beating it consistently time in, time out. If If you can't, then you need to be looking at other games in the casino. You need to be looking at bubble craps. You need to be looking at uh, don't pass on on a, on a full-size craps table. I suspect Baccarat isn't available, or it has some weird rules too, or the limits are higher. You know, $25 Baccarat would be preferable there to, to playing blackjack with those rules. Very interesting. So thrilled that, uh, that Same Bet took the time to post that, share that, pose that question. Really appreciate the chance to look through it and talk through it. But the other thing it shows us is that when we're confronted with a unique rule set, something different, something outside what I've discussed, or perhaps something outside what you've seen or done, fall back on your core concepts, fall back on your basic foundational principles and ideas, and look at things from that point of view. Apply the math. Walk away, take a step, get a cup of coffee, Take a napkin, scribble out some math, get to wizardofodds.com and see what they tell you. In this case, what it would tell us is if we were trying to play at a $5 unit size, this is probably not our wager. The house advantage here is probably too large for us to overcome. And so our, our fundamental ideas, our core concepts will teach us that, and we just need to have the wisdom to step back, take a look, 
and analyze a game and a rule set that we don't know. All right, jumping right off of that, which came down to core concepts, we are going to do a core concept segment next and talk about exits and regrouping. The core concepts of Casino Combat are the foundational principles, the, the items that I think are fundamental to having success at winning the game of casino gambling. I ran through them early in the podcast. I've written blog posts about them. I have done a playlist on the YouTube channel called Boot Camp, spelled with a K, where I teach all of them individually in short 10 or 15 minute lessons. If you are not familiar, if you cannot write them down, if you could not sit down with me at a table and have a coffee, not a gambling table, a, a, a normal table, and have a coffee and explain them to me as if I didn't understand them and didn't know them, I encourage you to learn them. I encourage them to make them, if you're serious about this, if you are actually serious about winning the game of casino gambling, you ought to be able to explain the core concepts to somebody. And I'm not going to explain them today, and I'm not going to go through them all today. For many of you, it is repetition of stuff you already know. I, I once had a conversation with a professional gambler. A professional gambler who charged other people money to learn what he knew. And we were talking about the fact that someone we both knew had done the things that he teaches and had and had a sense, a series of losses and was looking for help, was looking for understanding of what went wrong. And the professional gambler said to me, I don't know what else I can do. I gave him all the materials. We're all big boys here. It happens. Not my problem. He's just got to figure it out. And in that moment, I thought, you cold-hearted, callous SOB. You, you charged this guy money on the premise that you could teach him. It didn't work. And yeah, we're all big boys, but, but why not try to break that down and help? And how does that relate to all of this? Well, it relates to all this this way. We are at a point where I am going to be a little cold-hearted and callous and say, if you're interested, we're all big boys. I've provided it all for free. I'm not going to run it down again today. That's, that's the part where I'm being cold and callous. I am not going to take the whole class's time to review the 101 materials that are available in a variety of other places. I am simply going to point you to the reference books and, and suggest that you do the study and you do the homework. Listen to the first 10, 12 episodes. I'll break it down in detail. Perhaps not as eloquently, as cleverly as I might be able to do it today, but it's all there. So while I am always willing to help someone that's doing what I've taught and struggling to figure out what they could do differently, what went wrong, always on board for that, we're going to skip the core concepts today. But one of the core concepts that I do want to talk about is to win or lose a small set amount and leave the table or the building. This is the idea of having positive and negative exit. And in theory, in the land of ideas and discussions, that is 100% correct. Hit your positive or negative exit and leave the table. In the land of ideas and discussions, we are playing alone, and tables are endless and plentiful. In the real world, in the practical world, operating at a PhD level, that is not always what I do. Perhaps the casino is very crowded, and getting a seat again is difficult. Perhaps I'm playing with Mrs. TRG, and she is not at an exit point. Perhaps we are at Casino 1, at the one table out of 20 that gives comped drinks, and moving for the sake of moving doesn't really make sense. Perhaps, 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 perhaps. So I wanted to talk a bit today about regrouping, 
which is a skill that I use, and not leaving the table exits in the land of perhaps, not the land of ideas and discussion. Recently over the holidays, we were at that Caesars property that we that we like, we do, despite some past problems, that's uh, five and a half, half hours south and west of our home. And we lost some money before dinner. Actually, I did, Mrs. TRG didn't. And after dinner, the casino was busy and crowded with people enjoying the holidays, not serious gamblers, civilians and tourists, very busy place, lot going on. We found a table we liked after dinner, and we played and we won until the wee hours of the morning. But we never once hit a true positive exit. Never happened. The first shoe, both Mrs. TRG and myself, ground and ground and ground and ground through the shoe with TRG4, win more, keep more, and finished the shoe with her down two units and me up four units. Quick aside. If you are new and not familiar with the TRG wagering systems, TRG2 is discussed in episodes 62, 63, and 64, the holy trinity of episodes. And TRG4 is an improvement on TRG2, and it is discussed in episode 97. Both are demonstrated in video form on the Casino Combat YouTube channel in a playlist very cleverly named TRG Wagering Systems. Flowcharts for both TRG2 and TRG4 can be downloaded from the Fred section of the website, compliments of... Inner Circle member, East Coast Emissary, PhD. The only person to hold a PhD in casino combat. So, download those resources, use those resources if you are new to all this. Okay, aside over, we're at the end of the shoe. Or she is down a couple of units, I am up a couple of units. A few units. So, we regrouped. We built both play stacks back to 10 units and recorded a 2-unit win. We didn't leave the table, we didn't do an exit, and also as key, she wasn't starting minus two units with only six units left to play with and having to figure out how to approach that, when to go up units and down units. She was starting fresh, I was starting fresh, and as a couple, as a team, we had pocketed a few chips to offset previous losses, and we played on. Shoe two, we finished with her up two units and me up three units. Nowhere close to a positive exit. And we recorded a five-unit win and played on. And so it continued the rest of the evening. In each case, instead of one of us needing to recover their play stack that was less than 10 units and perhaps hit a negative exit, we both started the new shoe with a full play stack and we moved forward and we recorded a small win. We had a wonderful evening. We won more than we had lost before dinner. And we had a profitable day but we ever, never actually won enough units to start a full-blown positive exit. And we never started a shoe needing to make a comeback and recover from a partial loss of our win stack. Likewise, when I'm playing alone on a normal day at my local casino, sometimes during the week there are only four tables, a total of 20 seats available. Sometimes that is further reduced because there is a dealer or a player that I know from experience I would rather not play with, just from a personality point of view. Just not superstition, not I can't win against that dealer, just their style, their approach, I just prefer not to play with them. And that's not a reflection on their skills or abilities, just not everybody likes everybody, and that's fine. In a perfect world, at my local casino, I find a spot, I play for 30 minutes, I hit a positive exit, do a three-chip exit, and leave with more than a day's pay. Simple, easy, done. But in a less-than-perfect world, I take a negative exit on the first table. Take a break. Look at the Buddha statue, because we don't have a fountain. Get a beverage. Talk to some friends. Find another seat. It's a struggle. I put a unit in the wind stack. 
then drop down a few units in the play stack and struggle back to a full play stack and add a unit to the win stack, but then I start losing again and recovering again. And I get to the end of the stack, and I got a play stack at minus four and a win stack at six. That's not a positive exit. And coming back with four units gone from my play stack is doable, happens a lot, less than ideal. So while the cards are shuffled, I record a two-unit win and start over with a play stack of 10. I've regrouped. I've taken that moment and used it and said, okay, I want a little, let's start over fresh. In situations like this, I treat the end of a shoe as a mini break. I pause. I take stock of my situation. And I often choose to record a small win and put myself in a situation where I don't need to play with just a few units, rebuild my win stack, or take a small negative exit. I'd rather take a small win, not enough to leave the table, than take a negative exit and have to put more money on this or another table or move up to a larger unit size with some version of the Meta Martingale. Starting over is never fun. It almost feels like losing sometimes. But I play a long, grind-out-a-win game. That is my approach. I am almost never looking for the quick win. If I was looking for the quick win, I'd walk in, bet a day's pay, and if I won it left and if I lost it, I'd leave. That's the opposite of what I'm doing. I am trying to thread a needle. I am trying to beat a small house advantage by being a grinder. A small win is better than a loss. That is core concepts in action. Win a small set amount. In this case, in search of the small set amount that lets me leave the table or the building, but a small amount. If your time roll is very large, and I have talked about the importance of time roll and how it compares to bankroll. If your time roll is very large, and I've talked about the importance of time roll and the fact that it's equal to bankroll, and your table choices are limited, I suggest using the end of the shoe to make choices, record, and regroup. I do it all the time. Now, this is a PhD skill. This is not a beginner skill. And I can't quantify it for you, or I feel like I can't. I can't tell you if, if X happens, do what? Well, actually, maybe I can. If X is the end of the shoe, Y is regroup and record if a small win is possible. Then play on. Next up, we have a results section to discuss two weeks of play. Our results this episode are pretty straightforward. I didn't do any travel. I didn't go anywhere. I stuck close to home because we've got two grandbabies on the way. And I gambled at my local casino, which is nice and close. I just worked. Nothing special. Nothing fancy. And I'm going to kind of do something that I haven't done in a while. And I'm going to work through some days with you just a little bit to, to illustrate some things. To illustrate that it is not, not all wonderful, that it is hard, that it is a grind, that in some cases I do what might be for some of you a week in a day. I, I, I don't always mess around in the sense that I don't... I always apply all the core concepts, but I sometimes apply them in a very linear fashion. Where I would recommend if you're starting out, you take your negative exit, I would recommend you leave. In particular, if you take a, a Meta Martingale or a Mini Meta Martingale TRG3 negative, I, I would suggest you leave, walk away, gather your emotions, check your bankroll, and come back another time. 
but I often just go, oh, oh well, it happens. Let's get back to work, and, and I'll do what would be the equivalent of two days. Uh, unless I take two back-to-back losses, I'm trying to fix it and still get to my day's profit. I, I am a bit of a grinder particularly when I have plenty of time on my time roll. So I'm going to just pop up the results here, pull up the results spreadsheet for the two weeks, and take a look through things and see what jumps out at me. The first thing I notice is that uh, on the on January 2nd, Mrs. TRG went to the casino with me, made it kind of a, a little quick date, quick chance to have some fun, and um, we found this really weird slot machine. Really weird and and haven't seen one like it. And she decided to experiment a little bit, end up with a small win on it, but it didn't have uh, reels that spun. It didn't have a LCD screen, a video screen pretending to be reels. It just had boxes with bows and you could pick how much you were wagering. And then when you hit the button, you picked a, it was picking a box at random. And that box would kind of have an animation of it popping open and some confetti. And it would show you how much you won. Sometimes it would be zero. Sometimes it would be a good bit more than zero. But that was it. That was the whole game. Box pops, you get money. Zero to something. The more you wagered, the more you had a chance to win. So she wanted to try this out. And we sat down and we played. And we started trying to apply TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos from my downloadable ebook. Casino Combat Slot Tactics, because we were playing with our own money, not free play. And so if we if we made four spins and we didn't win more than we had spun, we would move up to the next dollar amount, which gave us a bigger, bigger amount that we could win on the box pops. And eventually we popped boxes enough to have a 10% win. And, and we wrapped things up and recorded that small win and went about the process of playing blackjack. But just a really, really unique game. I mean, almost like if you were at a carnival and they had all these boxes laid out and they said, here, give us a dollar, take a box. And you took the box and there was money inside. Nothing more to it than that. No bonus rounds, no, no anything that we could find. I wouldn't necessarily say it was fun. I mean, slot machines are fun in the sense that anything can happen. And I guess in this one, anything could have happened. We could have opened a box with thousands of dollars in it, but there wasn't a lot of sense. Uh, suspense. Box popped, a little bit of cartoon confetti, Here's your dollar amount. Pick another box. And anytime, you know, the boxes were constantly reappearing and shuffling, but there was none of that suspense of, am I going to get the third symbol? Am I going to get the, the bonus round? Am I going to get this? But beatable using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, at least the one time that we tried it. Okay, so let's look here. Let's look down. What else do we have here? Okay, here is an example of making adjustments to my exits based on previous outcomes. So played a blackjack table, had a win of just a little bit more than a day's pay. And I've been playing craps to practice throwing dice because I don't have a way at home to really practice. I haven't, I don't want to make a practice rig, which is a box to throw into. I want to put in a full-size craps table and I haven't yet found one and committed to one. I've been setting aside some money. We'll see if that happens. I'd like for it to. But since I didn't do that, I've just been playing and practicing at, at, a, at a minimum table in my local casino. And in this case, I took a loss at my craps play. And that put me at less than a day's pay for the day. Now, I could have left. I, I decided instead to just set my negative or my positive exit number. And admittedly, this is risking a lot to win a little. But I just set my positive exit number at six units and didn't do a three chip exit. Hit my six, 
walked away, had more than a day's pay. Instead of being right at a day's pay, which I was with the first blackjack table, I was at a, a day and a third-ish. I was at more than a day's pay. I had plenty of time still on my time roll, but I walked out the door and I was done. Quick, easy, relatively speaking, spent some time at the dice table. But once again, that's that idea of saying, okay, in this case... I only need to make this smaller amount to be happy with things. Winning one is easier than winning infinity. I set the number closer to one. As soon as it happened, I got up. I was done. I had my day's pay. January 3rd. Oh, all right. So this was an interesting day. I spent some time at the beginning of January being sick. Not my first choice. Nothing serious, just upper respiratory. My voice sounded horrible. It's so horrible we delayed some episodes because I just really didn't sound good. Even did an episode where I didn't sound great. Not a great day to start off with. I didn't feel well. Um, I'm loaded up with Dayquil. I'm going to work. And my even at one point, my wife said to me, why, why are you going? You're sick. And I said, you know, if customer A needed me, I'd go to work even though I feel bad. If customer B needed me, I'd go to work even though I feel bad. I'm going to work even though I feel bad. First blackjack table's a loss and a, a mini meta martingale at loss at that. So multiple days paid gone. Not the way I wanted to start. Wanted to get in and get out. Went and did my obligatory craps practice. Had a small craps win. Took another blackjack loss. Certainly would have been reasonable to exit at that point. I would have taken a small loss, not unrecoverable, but I had enough money in my bankroll and enough time in my time roll to try one more table. And I will admit I used a technique I haven't taught you yet. And uh, I've made a note here and a note to T-Rex that I'm, I'm going to talk about it soon. Used a technique I haven't yet taught, talked about. It kind of playing top down instead of bottom up. And as I'm doing that, wizard mode hit. That thing I was talking about in the show open where the cards and numbers just dance, I feel like I'm controlling everything, and it just went my way. And not in the unicorn sense, in the sense of it just goes your way and the table runs, but I, I played and won and checked the math and took breaks and played and won and checked the math and took breaks and went, oh, wow, I'm almost close to even again. I'm almost back to where I started. Okay, let's play another table. And I checked with Mrs. TRG, and she was doing other things, charity work, and with the grandkids after that, and I just kept playing. I played as if I was on vacation because everything went my way. Now notice, there was a loss, a serious loss, a little small craps win, a serious loss, and then wizard mode kicked in. Then I could do no wrong. I finished with a winning day. I finished with a solid, solid more than a day's pay win. If this was happening to you over a period of time, you'd have had a losing day, maybe won a little money on craps on your way out if craps was part of your portfolio, had another losing day, perhaps thought I was an idiot, perhaps thought none of this works, and then had five good days or six good days or whatever. Yeah, six good days. And, and you'd have been positive for that whole sec section, but it wouldn't have seemed like you had a winning day. It would have been rough for the first couple days. And the next day is even is as interesting, if not more interesting. Started with a blackjack loss, but a small one. Had a, a slot win that's significant for slot wins, but not significant or overall, not significant overall. Had a small blackjack win left because I didn't like the people at the table. 
And then I had a craps win. I made some money betting on the don't with TRG4 and other shooters. I made a ton of money on myself with a roll of about 40 minutes, betting, plate making place bets, hitting points, made a lot of money. Stick went on break and came back and I still had the dice. I managed the emotions of other people doing really stupid stuff. I had a nice long roll and I made enough money on myself to end the day with a day's pay, a little more than a day's pay, after a rough start. This is the idea that we talked about recently of a portfolio of play, not having all your eggs in one basket. I had a little small blackjack win, but not nearly enough to offset the loss that I started with. I had a small slot win, but even in combination, not enough with the blackjack win to set off to offset, I should say, the starting loss. And then craps just went my way. And even better, craps went my way with the dice in my hand. And that felt really good. That's one of the best tosses I've had since I started doing this again, honestly. Since I went away from bubble craps and started to actually see if I could uh, if I could become good at throwing dice and good at reading other people at the table. Portfolio of play. The next day, I love days like this. And I wanted to share this day with you. Because I went in. I got a gift, something, somebody, in the, oh yeah, it was an iron and, and uh, my oldest son needs an iron for his Airbnb. Somebody used one to scramble eggs or something stupid and he had to replace it. But I got a gift, played some free slot play, won some money, won more than a day's pay at the first table, walked out the door and I made this note. I live a blessed life. And that's very true. Don't lose sight of any of this, folks. If you have time in your life and availability of casinos, and you can do even a part of what I've talked about and live in some fashion a casino lifestyle, where that's where some of your food comes from, and that's where some of the stuff you use in your life comes from, and that's where gift cards come from that put gas in your tank or food on your table, and you leave a winner when so many people never do or rarely do, you are living a very blessed life, in my never-so-humble opinion. Let's see, anything else? Anything else? Oh, yeah, let's do this one. And the, the note here is what Im- what's important. I started the three-chip exit, and as I started the three-chip exit, after a struggle to get there, the unicorn showed up, and he brought his friends, and he b- brought the unicorn grove. And for the next shoe and a half, so call it 30 to 40 minutes, I just kept winning, and I just kept adding to the stack that was going to take money home. In fact, at one point, I won 12 hands in a row to finish things out. And eventually, the play stack that I had built from previous wins, because I was doing a three-chip exit, eventually I ran out of those and I left. But I won several days' pay after I started the three-chip exit. That's the good side of it. So what have I showed you here? I'll check see if there's anything else. But I showed you in one day a Martingale-based loss, really big. Little teeny craps win. A Martingale-based loss. Didn't give up. You know, didn't let it get to me emotionally. Checked my bankroll. Checked my time roll. Decided to try one more time. Wizard mode hit. And I had a winning day. Then I had a day where it was just easy. Just walked in, got my money, and walked out. Then I had a day where it was a struggle to get to an exit. But as I started the exit, the unicorn in the unicorn grove showed up. And I spent the next shoe and a half just winning money like crazy, including winning 12 hands in a row. And then I had the discipline to leave. I had the discipline to, well, okay, that was great. That was more than I expected. Yeah, it stinks that after winning 12 in a row, I lost six or seven in a row. 
but that's okay. I've got a nice win. I'm done. Okay, let's see what we got. Um, kind of more of the same. Those are good illustrations. Let's leave it there. A great example of two weeks of boring local gambling, just grinding it out, taking the losses, playing through them. Not all great. Multiple, and I'm air quoting here, big losses. And lots of little wins. Some days were easy. Some days were hard. Final result, plus 13 days pay. Hmm. Two weeks work, two weeks pay. I wonder if I can continue that for the rest of the month. Listen to future episodes. We will all find out together. You will hear the good, the bad, and the ugly if they happen. All right. I have got a sad story with a lesson in it for you in the virtual VIP lounge. So let's go do that next. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the Virtual VIP Lounge, and our lounge is open, and we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time, the best virtual food and drinks served anywhere in any Virtual VIP Lounge in any part of the interwebs, guaranteed or your money back. As always, if you can, press pause, pour yourself something, fix a plate. It's early here. I've got stuff to do once I send this off to edit. I'll be honest. I've got a glass of still water here, and Mrs. TRG just dropped off a turkey sandwich. So uh, I'm going to have some sips with you today. If you're at a point in your day where you can have an adult beverage, certainly do that. VIP lounges are a great place to have a drink and talk with friends and swap stories, and I have got a story for you today. This is the story of TRG and Sad Sack Sally. Now I see Sad Sack Sally, or S-Cubed, multiple times a week. I'm not sure I've ever seen her leave a table as a winner. Doesn't mean anything, doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, and I missed it. I just rarely see her win. I do not see her play with a great deal of skill or ability. I sometimes wonder why she keeps coming back. And maybe she has some side bets hit a bunch, and and she has wins, and, and I just... I'm not seeing them. I, I don't know her bankroll and I don't know her books. But on this particular day, I joined her at a table and she's playing by herself and it's the middle of the shoe and she is commenting to the dealer as I walk up and she's saying, but I want to play. So, you know, I got to do what I got to do, I guess. I, I just, I want to play, which I would then remark, you got to want the win more than you want the action. And it sounds like she just wants the action. Again, I don't know all the details. We are, we are joining this episode from her life in progress, right? Her story, this is, this is ongoing and I'm, I'm catching up in the middle of the episode. So I ask if I can join to have proper etiquette. And she, she says, sure, she's just losing anyway. And she puts a single green chip on the blackjack bet and a single red chip on the side bet. Her wagers will at this point no longer be part of the story of TRG and Sad Sack Sally because she makes the same bet every time for the rest of the story. Never more, never less, just the same sad bet every sad hand. She loses a couple of hands in a row, complaining that she just wants to play and she can't win. And I quietly am just doing my thing. I'm not commenting, I'm not contributing. The next hand, she refuses to hit her hard 15 against a dealer's 9. That would not be correct basic strategy for those of you who are not aware and informed. And I take a card and get a 5, which makes my hand pretty good and would have been her card to make 20. And she comments, see, others get to play, but I don't get to. Didn't figure it out. 
could not make sense of it, but I listened and came to share. And the dealer breaks her hands. She, despite the fact that she just won, comments, that's it, that's enough, just so you know, I'm not hitting my hands anymore. I don't get to play like everyone else. I can't take cards and win. This makes no sense to me. But I smile and say, it's fine. No big deal. I'm not going to be upset with whatever you do. It's not going to matter to me. And somehow this was the wrong answer because she repeats, fine. I don't care. I'm not taking any more cards. I just want to play, but I can't. When I take cards, I lose. I don't get to play like everyone else. And she stuck to it. She did. She did not take any more cards on any hand, regardless of what the hand was. Each hand, she made the same bet. Each hand, she whined and complained and waved away any additional cards in disgust. Annoyed, angry, waving the hand, her hands in the air emphatically and complaining and whining. At one point, she even stood on a three and a five, a total of eight against a dealer's five. She has eight. She can't take a card and have bad things happen. But she's not allowed to take cards. She's not allowed to play like everyone else. She is not allowed to have fun. She just wants to play, but she can't. And then she complained when she lost that she always loses. Dealer had five, you had eight, you didn't take a card, and you always lose? Well, maybe. As her piles of chips got smaller and smaller, I began a three-chip exit and began adding to my win stack. In fact, at one point, I split aces against a dealer's nine, as basic strategy requires, and I got a three on the first hand and a two on the second hand for a total of 14 and 13, and I'm not allowed to take any more cards, and I won both hands when the dealer had a four under for 13 and busted. Things are going fine. I'm not complaining. I'm also not celebrating because I don't want to make her feel any worse than she is obviously already feeling. And eventually I ran out of chips in my keep playing stack and left the table with just less than, than two days pay as she remarked that, well, at least someone is winning. Someone was allowed to play. I walked by later after chatting with some friends. I was on my way out the door. There's no reason to play anymore. And she was pulling out another $200 to buy more chips. I think we can draw some conclusions there. Our casino wisdoms teach us to have a winning mindset or don't gamble. I've been actively looking for ways to demonstrate that to all of you. To highlight mindset. To highlight having a winning mindset or not playing. I've been trying to find some illustrations for those. I've been trying to find some techniques for that for, for all of you. Sad Sack Sally is an excellent illustration of what not to do. She is feeling so sorry for herself that she was making herself lose. Almost on purpose. Everything was negative. Everything was, I can't win. Everything was beyond that to weird. I'm not even allowed to play. No wager changes. No effort. Increasing the house's advantage by not playing basic strategy. Just, poor me, poor me, poor me. Everyone hates me. I can't win. I'm not allowed to play. Look, if you find yourself mentally starting down that road, walk away. Remember, remember our casino wisdoms. Don't gamble. Please, don't walk away. Walk away. Heck, don't walk away. Run away. Run for the door. Regroup. Consider if you want to do this again for a while. Take a break from the casino if you need to. If you get to that place, get out. 
run. Don't be sad sack Sally. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. Another important casino wisdom to remember. Please, again, if you listened to this episode, would you contribute to the time capsule? Send an email to ep128 at casinocombat.com and share where on the globe and when you listened to this episode. I think it will be fascinating data over time. Fascinating things to see and learn. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's it's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the gift of your time. The best part of the podcast is next, the Casino Combat Blues.
честное. 